the maker of all human beings is recalling all units manufactured, regardless of make or year, due to the serious defect in the primary and central component or heart. This is due to a malfunction in the original prototype units, resulting in the reproduction of the same defect in all subsequent units. This defect has been technically termed subsequential internal non-morality, or more commonly known as SIN, as it is primarily symptomised by loss of moral judgement. Some other symptoms are loss of direction, foul vocal emissions, amnesia of origin, lack of peace and joy, selfish or violent behaviour, depression or confusion in the mental component. The manufacturer, who is neither liable or at fault for this defect, is providing factory authorised repair and service free of charge to correct the SIN defect at numerous locations throughout the world. The number to call for the recall station in your area is P-R-A-Y-E-R. Warning. Continuing to operate the human unit without correction voids the manufacturer's warranty, exposing owner to dangers and problems too numerous to list and will result in the human unit being permanently impounded. For free emergency service, call on JESUS for prompt assistance in any location worldwide. Our reading this evening has been about this lovely character called Absalom. Who was he? Let's start by taking a look at his profile. Absalom, his name means father of peace. Third son of David, born in Hebron, died and buried in Ephraim's wood. Spent most of his life in Jerusalem, great favourite of his father and the people. His charming manners, personal beauty, insinuating ways, love of pomp and royal pretensions, captivated the hearts of people from the beginning. He lived in great style. He drove a magnificent chariot. Quite a profile, really. However, was he really that wonderful? Let's take a look at what's going on in this chapter. Three years of exile in Geisha and two years of seclusion and isolation in Jerusalem did not reform Absalom because David failed to confront, correct and chastise him for the two years he was under house arrest and in the subsequent two years Absalom was free to wander about and wreak havoc. No wonder David had to hear of Absalom's coup, Israel's discontent and the city's unrest from a servant. These years restricted to five years and then seven but still David did and said nothing. He heeded and believed nobody's advice on parenting. Like before, the king was in denial. Father and son were not close and a wedge was being driven between them. David repeated his mistakes with Bathsheba and Amnon on Absalom. The king picked and chose what he and who he wanted to see or hear or believe. Absalom was a parent's worst nightmare. He had his eye on his father's throne, so potted to overflow him and force him either into early retirement or permanent exile. In a tragic sense, he had the best and worst, the beauty and the beast of David's genes. He was like his father, lying, murderous and arrogant in David's sin with Bathsheba. 
Absalom promised down-to-earth advice, justice that works, and of course, the one-of-a-kind, never-seen-before or practiced-before legal rhetoric to the people who craved for and lapped up his words. David the king did not stand a chance against Absalom, the politician, who shook hands, gave hugs to the commoner, the average man, and the town folk. He was the politically, legally, and socially correct figure and candidate of his day, who promised the world, the moon, and the Jerusalem Bridge to his constituents. Absalom's public yearning was to be judge, but his hidden agenda was to be king. Absalom was not the crown prince of Israel, but the Pied Piper who stole the hearts of Israel, the same way he stole his father's heart and stole into Jerusalem and stole the limelight. Divine kingship could not be brought or bought or sought. They were anointed, conferred or inherited. But Absalom couldn't wait for the throne, even though his father was already aging. Absalom, the number three son, was the new number two son after he killed Amnon the numbers, son number two, and the new son number one, Kiliab, was taught not to harbour ambition by his mother. And so Absalom continued on his merry way and lied to his father about needing to go to Hebron to fill a vow he had made to the Lord. Ironically, David's words to Absalom were, go in peace. Upon hearing these, Absalom went on to carry out the plot to overthrow David's kingdom. So Absalom went to reign in Hebron, counting on the hope that most of Israel would see this as a succession, not a treason. So Absalom's got a plan that he obviously thinks is the best thing ever. When David's messengers tell him about Absalom's increasing power and how he has won Israel's favour, David orders his people to flee Jerusalem. However, he leaves ten concubines behind to watch over the palace. On the way out, David stops and tells one of his officials, Ittai the Giddite, to go back to his people, the Giddites, since it wouldn't be fair to force him to wander around with David. However, Ittai pledges to continue with David and to serve him forever. David lets him stay with him, bring along all his own men. Gone two pages. The priests, Zadok and Abithar, are about to bring the ark along too, but David tells them to stay in the city. If God wants him to return, he'll see the ark again, so they remain with the ark in Jerusalem. God's plan at this point, David's plan at this point, do nothing. David and his people walk weeping up the Mount of Olives. When David hears that Ahithophel has joined Absalom, he prays to God, asking God to make Ahithophel's counsel sound foolish. After reaching the top of the Mount of Olives, David sends his official Hushai to the Achite to go back to Jerusalem and pretend to serve Absalom, where he takes over. Hushai can work with Zadok and Abithar and use their sons to help them spy and bring news back to David. So Hushai goes back to Jerusalem, arriving just before Absalom does. So let's now look at the second part of our reading. 2 Samuel, chapter, 20, um, chapter 15, reading from verse 23. The whole countryside wept aloud as all the people passed by. 
the king also crossed the Kidron Valley, and all the people moved on towards the desert. Zadok was there too, and all the Levites who were with him were carrying the Ark of the Covenant of God. They set down the Ark of God, and Abathar offered sacrifices until all the people had finished leaving the city. Then the king said to Zadok, Take the Ark of God back into the city. If I find favour in the Lord's eyes, he will bring me back and let me see it and his dwelling place again. But if he says, I am not pleased with you, when I am ready, let him do to me whatever seems good to him. The king also said to Zadok the priest, Aren't you a seer? Go back to the city in peace with your son Ahimaaz and Jonathan's son of Abatha. You and Abatha take your two sons with you. I will wait at the fords in the desert until word comes from you to inform me. So Zadok and Abatha took the ark of God back to Jerusalem and stayed there. But David continued up the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went. His head was covered and he was barefoot. All the people with him covered their heads too and were weeping as they went up. Now David had been told, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. Don't you just love the New Testament, the Old Testament? Wonderful names you've got to get your head around. I don't know about you, but I start reading these passages over and over and over again, especially if I'm having to preach. And I find a couple of little bits that I think, oh, I must go back and have a look at those. And there are two bits in these passages that I wanted to just look at. Firstly, Zadok the priest, that's him of the coronation anthem, and the Levites took the Ark of God with them. It's like a talisman. If the ark was with them, then all was well. However, having carried this large object, and in older money it's four foot three by three foot by three foot, and weighed approximately 650 pounds, out of the city, David orders Zadok to return to Jerusalem with the ark. Why? David reveals a true understanding of the connection between the ark and God's presence with the people. He knows that possession of the ark does not guarantee God's blessing. He also recognises that the ark belongs to the capital city as a symbol of the Lord's rule over the nation, no matter who the king might be. Secondly, verse 30 tells that David continued up the Mount of Olives. The hill to the east of the city of Jerusalem was the location for David's contrition and and remorse over his sins and their results. When Jesus went for the Last Supper to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, he essentially traced those same steps of David. Both David and Jesus suffered for sin, but Jesus suffered for our sins, and David suffered for his own. The Mount of Olives is just a few miles out of Jerusalem. In fact, it's on a hill overlooking the old city. The fact that his head was covered showed the grief that David was feeling. He was barefoot which showed his humbleness before God. 
take off your shoes, for this is holy ground. The weeping was showing their grief as well. While all this was going on, where was Absalom? He was back in Jerusalem. However, the one thing that Absalom failed to do was to consult the Lord. Absalom wanted everything. People to bow before him. He tells them what they want to hear in order to maintain their support. Land, power, and underlying all this was his main purpose, to become king. He wasn't trying to force God's hand. David was, he was trying to force God's hand. David was the anointed king, anointed when he was around 15 years old, and then he patiently waited another 15 years before he became king of Israel. The Bible records many rebellions. Many were against God's chosen leaders. They were doomed to failure, and a rebel's life usually came to a violent end. Make plans, yeah, but then seek the Lord and ask him if they are in line with his purpose for you. If not, listen to him and discern his plans for you. Some years ago, I was going through a divorce and was receiving prayer ministry from my then incumbent, Adrian and Hazley's wife. During one of these sessions, I had quite a clear picture, which I relayed to Adrian. The picture was of myself, kneeling before a bishop, well, that's what he looked like, but not one I recognised, who put something blue onto me. Adrian and Hazel decided that this was to do with my circumstances because blue was for healing. I was very happy and I went off convinced that the Lord was healing my rather ragged emotions. However, that picture returned at regular intervals. And one day I was in a church where the service was taken by a man wearing a Catholic surplice with a blue scarf around his neck. After some discreet inquiries, because I didn't want to look stupid, I discovered this man was something called a reader. Not long after this, I was asked by some Christian friends if I thought of becoming a reader myself, as they felt that this was what I was being called into. Eventually, I gave in and went for the interviews. I was accepted, that surprised me, and went through the three-year training. Another set of interviews um, occurred, and again, I was accepted for licensing, another surprise, and commenced on a year's preaching training. I was now of the opinion that the Lord didn't really know what he was doing in calling me into this, but I carried on regardless. The day came to be licensed, and nerves took over, and I wasn't taking much notice of what was going on. However, my turn came, and I knelt before the new Suffragan Bishop of Taunton, and then looked up into the face of the man I had seen in my picture 12 years previously. If we follow the Lord's plan for us, then we will be times when he will always, we can almost see a smile on his face and hear the gentle voice quietly saying, I love it when a plan comes together. Let's pray. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Father, you have promised to listen to us when we call to you. Help us, Lord, to listen to your voice and help us discern your plans for us.
Give us the courage to follow those plans with your help. Amen.